episode 48 and this is the first podcast we've done since the Oscars, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I didn't stay up to watch it. I've got to be honest, I don't normally do. I think I did back in the day once or twice. What about you? I think I've stayed up once and then I felt really stupid the next day because I was so, so tired and I had to go to work, I think. And I actually may have stayed up, maybe it's twice because I've probably stayed up when I was at school. Actually, those were the days when they actually showed, was this show my age, where they showed the Oscars on like the BBC or the yeah, highlights. Yeah, I remember that. And then I was so gutted because I didn't, we didn't have um, Sky when I was a kid. And I was like, can we get Sky? Can we get Sky all the time? So as soon as I turned an adult, oh, we get Sky, definitely. Well, so Sarah and I had a little competition. So we picked the main categories. Mm-hmm. And I think there's about six of them. I think we also chucked in animation and we both had to pick who we thought would be the winner. So shall we go through them? Yeah. So let's start with best picture. Quick reminder, nominees, The Father, Judas and Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7, and also Nomadland. I went for Nomadland. You went for... I think it was Mank, because the judges always love a, a black and white movie, something a little bit different. Oh, that's right. So I went for best film, Mank. And the winner was Nomadland. So there you go, 1-0. Best yeah. Actress, Nominees, Kerry Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Andrew Day, The United States versus Billy Holiday, Viola Davis, Maroney's Black Bottom, Frances McDormand, Nomadland. You went for Andrew Day. Yeah, and so did you. And the winner was Frances McDormand, Nomadland. <laughs> That was who I was going to go for. And then because of our conversations recently about maybe they're going to really address the whole race inequality with the types of films and the types of actors that have been nominated, especially with the female directors as well, I thought maybe it would be Andrew Day. I, yeah, it's nothing to do with, I don't think, diversity here. Uh, I think who is the best actress. And I really did think Andrew Deb. But however, I can't really comment because I've not watched No Man Lab. You have. I've watched um, United States versus Billie Holiday and she was fantastic in that. She won a Golden Globe. That's why I went for her. And I haven't seen United States versus Billie Holiday. I can't yeah. wait to see what you think of Nomad Lamb. So I did watch it a while ago and it is a real favourite of mine. But I mm. think for you, it'll fall under the Marmite category. Right. Okay, here we go. Best Actor, mm. Nominees, Stephen Ewan Minari, Gary Oldman, Mank. Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, or Anthony Hopkins, The Father. And I went for, in fact, we both, didn't we, go for Chadwick Boseman? I went for Riz Ahmed, to be controversial. Oh, that's right. You did go for Riz Ahmed. That's and right. watched The Sound of Metal recently. Fantastic film. Probably my favourite film of the year so far. Well, we may well be reviewing that one, might we, next week. Anyway, the winner was... None of us, because Anthony no. Hopkins got it. For yeah, the yeah. And I'm a bit worried because he hasn't shown up for the, the BAFTAs. He didn't show up for the Oscars. I know he's an elderly man, but he's still got his marbles and he's still great at acting, obviously. But yeah, I was thinking, oh no, is he unwell because he's not shown up? And you'd kind of see something, wouldn't you? But you did mention there was a, a late video that's come from him. Yeah, it was a bit strange. I think it was put out on social media afterwards, which was mm. a very short video. He was in Wales with this beautiful Welsh landscape behind, very short, accepting the award just saying how surprised he was and obviously paying his respects to Chadwick Boseman. And I think from what I hear, and I, and I haven't seen the, the coverage, but because I think there was so much expectation around Boseman winning this when he didn't, apparently it all felt a little bit flat. 
Um, but anyway. Yeah. He, I mean, Chadwick Boseman didn't get a BAFTA either. Um, so that was the first time I thought, oh, okay, that's a bit controversial. And I then thought maybe Riz Ahmed would get it, actually. But I have not watched The Father either. I like the fact that your first kind of reaction is that you're concerned, you're worried about Hopkins. I like that. We love Anthony Hopkins. And we I do love Anthony sheep. Hopkins. And I hope he had sheep in the background as well. Unfortunately, there were no sheep. <laughs> um, okay, best supporting actress. So Amanda Seyfried Mank. Livia Coleman, the father, Glenn Close, Hillbilly, Elegy, Maria Bakalova, Borat, subsequent movie film, Hu Jun Yun Minari. I went for Hu Jun Yun, as did you, I, I believe. And, she was fantastic. Fantastic. And she, yep. Well deserved winner. So we both scored there. I think that was probably one of the most obvious at the end. Yeah, unanimous for, I think, most people. Best supporting actor. Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. Daniel Kalua, Judas and the Black Messiah. Paul Racky, Sound of Metal. It's Paul Racy, I think. Actually, is it Paul Racy? Apologies. Yeah. Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. And Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of Chicago 7. We both went for Daniel Kalua, Judas and the Black Messiah. And we both were right. I did think Paul Racy may be given the Oscar when I saw him there I was just like oh maybe he'll get it because they go do go for a slightly unusual choice sometimes but he was very good in Sound of Metal but yeah actually to be honest Lakeith Stanfield was I felt was equally as good as Daniel Kaluuya but I know that Daniel Kaluuya has picked up a lot of awards for his role. Then we've got Best Director, so that's Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennel, Minari, Leah Zetchung, Mank, David Fincher, Another Round, Thomas Vinterberg, and Chloe Zao for Nomadland. I think we both went for Chloe Zao, didn't we? We did, yeah. And we were both right. That, again, actually, probably alongside Yu Jun Yun for Minari, that was another one which I think was probably relatively obvious. I think she seemed to be the favourite all along. One director I was surprised not to see on that list as well is the director for One Night in Miami, because I think that was a, a very credible film and, and Regina King was at, actually kicked off the Oscars, I think. So I was surprised that she wasn't nominated at all. I think she did a great job with that film, One Night in Miami. So then Best Original Screenplay, we had Judas and the Black Messiah, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7. I went for Trial of Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin. You went for... Yeah, Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennel. Of course, of course she was going to get it. I it was know, very, so, I so know. different. And everybody said how fantastic the writing was and everything. I didn't think she would get the director, but I was delighted. She was probably one of the first Oscars and she looks very heavily pregnant and apparently was pregnant when she was doing Promising Young Woman as well. Oh, that's unbelievable, uh, isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, and she was over there in the US, so um, good on her. Yeah, yeah, I took a bit of a punt on that. I went a bit left field. I think when I saw you went for Riz Ahmed, <laughs> I thought, right, I'll go a bit left field. And then the final one was Best Animated Feature. So the nominees were Soul, Onward, Over the Moon, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Wolf Walkers. Yeah, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon seems a very long, long time ago. I haven't mm. seen Wolf Walkers or Over the Moon. I've seen Over the Moon and that's okay. Not a patch on Soul. Yeah, so we both went for Seoul and it won. I think, again, that was probably Mm. quite an obvious one. Mm. So... We're equal, I think, aren't we? So we are. We both scored five each out of eight. That's not bad going. No, it's not too bad. Not too bad. And do you know what? This is probably the first year that I've watched more Oscar-nominated films than ever. I think it's because they're more accessible and I'd love it if they could do that more often. I wish they brought Nomadland out earlier. And The Father. I've not seen either of those. The Oscars were so different this year. 
obviously they have this big grand red carpet. You have loads of photos taken, talking to press, and then they go in and there's this huge auditorium and stage presence. And this year was like they rented a room in a fancy hotel and ran the Oscars from there. They looked like they rented a, a place in Paris and also they went to the BAFTA location in London as well. And it's just, it was just so, so straight. And also then Australia, I know going digital was an opportunity for them to go around the world. And obviously people can't always travel, but it was just so different and kind of like mm, when Emerald Fennel went up and I thought, oh, if only it was a normal Oscar, she would have loved the limelight and everything. Yeah. Just felt it was slightly, you know, downgraded a little bit. It's almost like I want them to do it again. You know, the big rah-rah. So. I know what you mean. From what I saw, it, the coverage just seemed a little strange. It almost looked as well, I thought, almost a little bit cheap. Um, mm. But I suppose in comparison to what you're normally used to, it's going to. Okay, on to the two films that we have just reviewed. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to start? We had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And we had... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the new release was The Mauritanian. So what are we going to start with? I thought we could finish with Bill and Ted because it's probably slightly uh, more okay. upbeat. Yeah. Okay, yeah? go on, let's go for it. Yep. I know you're desperate just to pump out that tune. Rock and roll to you. You've got the raspy voice. I know, but the irony is that <laughs> she wasn't even in the film. Anyway, I know. it's in the okay. next one. <laughs> Mauritanian. This was a VOD release, wasn't it? So this has actually been around for a while. It's on Amazon, I think. It was on it? Amazon. I think it was nominated quite heavily at the BAFTAs. So... This directed by Kevin MacDonald, who you may know from One Day in September, Touching the Void, Last King of Scotland, and screenplay by Michael Bronner, Rory Haynes, Sorab Noshivani, and based on the book Guantanamo Diary by Mohamedou Ul-Slahi, who is, of course, the main character in this film because we follow Mohamed Ul-Slahi, who's captured by the US government and held captive at Guantanamo Bay for his links to al-Qaeda and the 9-11 attacks. This stars Tahar Rahim, who people may have seen in the recent BBC drama, The Serpent. I thought he was excellent in that, and I hadn't seen him in any films or TV before that. And we have Jodie Foster playing Nancy Hollander, the defence attorney, and her assistant, Terry Duncan, played by Shalene Woodley, and Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Couch, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. So, I mean, I was intrigued to watch this purely because it was a good cast, actually, and a story which I didn't know much about. So we start in North Africa, where Slahi is pulled away from a wedding celebration and transferred via Jordan to Guantanamo Bay as a say for his involvement with Al-Qaeda. And it's quite clear that, that there's very flimsy evidence that he may have received a call from Osama bin Laden and he was potentially seen almost as his point man when it came to communications with those involved in the 9-11 attacks. But after his capture at this point, the film pretty much splits into three different strands, I would say. We have Slahi and his plight and his time at Guantanamo Bay and 
the kind of horrendous treatment that he receives and his whole journey. We have criminal defense attorney Nancy Hollander, who takes on the case, arguing that Slahi is basically facing the death penalty without any evidence or even formally being charged. And then we have the case for the US government, brought by Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Couch, and basically got this personal axe to grind because it was a friend of his that was killed in the Twin Towers tragedy. But he starts to unearth what could be seen as a, a real conspiracy once he sees that so much of the evidence is not even accessible to him. I'm not going to go on to talk much about the trial that we have at the end of this film. The reason why, because although it is a true story and the outcome of the trial is there for everyone to see, for me, I actually found that particular part of the film the most impacting part of it to actually see what happened to this guy uh, at the very end. Because I didn't know of this story. And although obviously we know that all the scandals of Guantanamo Bay were all over the news for a period of time, um, I wasn't aware of this specific story. So my short and sweet summary of this film was mm. that I thought the best thing about it was to hear Raheem by a country mile. I thought his performance was fantastic. I thought his specific, yeah. you know, his story, his as told in his cell, in the conversations he has with Jodie Foster, as the defense attorney, his history, what happened to I, I thought all that was really compelling. But I found the rest of it not quite as punchy as I thought it would be. I felt Jodie Foster didn't really have that much to do, in all honesty. Benedict Cumberbatch, although he had this personal connection, I I just mm. didn't buy into it as much as I thought I should be buying into it, given the power of the story. Now, I don't know whether that's just down to it being unbalanced in how much Foster and Cumberbatch had to do in it. I felt, almost felt they were bit parts compared to Raheem. And yet yeah. I felt like they were supposed to be more than that. But I never really proper, properly got engaged with those two. I think Benedict Cumberbatch, he played the role as probably the personality of that military person. And that's why maybe we didn't engage with him as much, but maybe he's quite dry naturally in real life. We don't know, you know, we just don't know, do we? No, and I think that's a really good point. It almost felt like he's a character we've seen many times before. Yeah. I, and an actual fact, I actually found the film very formulaic from that point of view. It's almost mm. like Jodie Foster oh, okay, we've seen this kind of film before where the defence attorney, you know, has a real connection with a defendant. Like you say, Benedict Cumberbatch, we've seen that before. And that was all just almost a bit run of the mill. I didn't even mm. find the, the dramatic elements of the case in terms of the evidence that was withheld. Um, mm. I didn't even find that particularly interesting. For me, it was just all about Tahir Rahim. I think throughout the film, most of the film, you think he's innocent. But then at the back of my mind, I thought, actually, he's not innocent. At the start of the film, there are a wedding in North Africa, a big, huge family wedding. And then these guys came to talk to him and his mother was there a bit worried, you know, what's going on kind of scenario. He went off to go and get his phone, I believe, from the tent. And I couldn't see what he wrote, but actually he was clearing his phone of contacts. And that gave me a thinking from that, I thought, oh, he's not innocent. He's a little bit dodgy. So throughout most of the film, I had that in the back of my mind. And then 
the interrogation was quite shocking to watch. It was quite a long scene. Normally when we watch that, it's likes of Zero Dark Thirty or you're seen in SAS films or TV series, it's quite short, but it was just so long and I just thought, oh my goodness, that was awful. Absolutely awful. Granted, I know that they're trying to get information out of them, but that's just inhumane really, isn't it? But I know there's, there's still criminals at Guantanamo Bay. It said there were still 40. And they've obviously gone through exactly the same process. Some are innocent, some are not. I guess they have to go through that to see who is the bad people and who's not, really. And I'd be really interested to know, I mean, it's, it's always the case with these films, just how much of it is based on actual fact? How much is drawn from official documentation? So on that, they showed obviously real life footage at the end and they had the, the lawyer and they had Mahamadou there at the end as well. So from their accounts, it must be real story. Well, it's based on his diary. So obviously everything we see of him, you know, you'd assume is really accurate, at least at least from his diaries. But in terms of everything around it, from Benedict Cumberbatch's character's Jodie Foster, I mean, the whole interrogation scenes were, like you say, well, they were massively disturbing. And when that sequence came up, I was like, wow, I was really, that, that really hit me. Because the way in which it was put on screen as well, like some of the techniques that they're using were baffling. It's almost like you were in this horrible hallucinogenic nightmare state as seen through Mohamedou's eyes. It was all very much kind of point of view a lot of the times. Mm. People were wearing masks coming in and all sorts of very, very disturbing yeah, twisted, and that woman as well, really trying it on with him. And I just I thought, know. that's wrong. And, that, that, that's, really and, wrong. and that's, that's why I was really fascinated to understand. When I was watching that, I was thinking, are there elements of this that happened and elements that was kind of in his head because of the mental state he was in? Yeah. Or did all of this actually happen? I'd just be really curious to know, because if everything we saw happened as a form of interrogation, that's, that's seriously disturbing. Yeah. I mean, he looked worn out, but whenever he saw the lawyers, he was pretty calm and collected. I think most people would would have gone mad in there, to be honest. And what was shocking to me was right at the end of the film. I I think my mouth was, I was gawping like what I was reading on the screen. Yeah, I was so, so shocked. It's really watching the film to see Mohammadi's story and it does leave you rather disturbed and shocked that that yeah. actually happened. And I think that's a pretty good place to leave it, actually, mm. because although I felt the film wasn't as good as it should have been or could have been, mm. it's worth watching for his story and, and certainly for, yeah. for, for the ending. What was nice for me to see, actor-wise, is the person that played Terry Duncan, who's the other lawyer, the young lawyer, played by Charlene Woodley. She was from the Divergent Insurgent series that I've been going on. I'm going to watch that. I haven't watched it still yet. But I was trying to work out, where have I seen her before? Where have I seen her before? And then all of a sudden it just twigged. I was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen her for a while on much. So it was good that she's she was in a, quite a well-known film again. And I'm hoping that she'll be in more to come actually she's a good actress so i'm gonna give it i toyed with it because there there was some parts that plodded along but then when there's some parts that were really engaging yeah i'm gonna go seven and a half out of ten but it is definitely worth watching this the story is is unbelievable to be honest but it is believe but at the same time it's true so yeah seven and a half from me 
I'm going to go with the same score because okay. I don't think it's weak enough for a seven, not good enough for an eight. And as I say, that, yeah. that is purely for the purely for, for the actual story. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so on to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. All right, that's in the bogus journey, I think, that song comes from. I know. Anyway, Bill and Ted's Wild Stallions. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, released in 1989. What I was delighted the most about is that it's a PG and was one and a half hours as well. And Keanu Reeves playing Ted or Theodore Logan. Alex Windsor playing Bill S. Preston. And you've got Rufus, who is played by George Carlin, who is unfortunately no longer with us. Some of these characters do appear in the most recent one, Bill and Ted's Face of Music. And obviously they're in the second one, which is Bogus Journey as well. It's just a barrel of fun. You have to be in a most light-hearted spirit to watch this to be honest and i watched this quite late at night and i thought oh, i'll probably only watch like half an hour and then i'll go to bed but i actually stuck at it and, and watched the whole the whole film for an hour and a half it's simply because it's just so f- i was laughing out loud it was so funny so on this one it's bill and ted the start of the film they're playing guitar in the garage the wild stallions band just the two of them really and they're school age sort of latter school age really because they're kind of adults really are they and uh, they're given a history project if Ted fails and this history project is actually a presentation to the whole of the school. He will be sent off to military school. His dad's very strict. He's a captain in in the local police force and he's got very different parenting to let's just say Bill's parents who <laughs> who's he's got a stepmom that's probably about only a couple of years older than him and then his dad is a kind of little bit sleazy really let's put it like that. But little do they know when they're given this project and and they're just like oh oh, we're gonna, you know, I'm going to be sent off to military school. And they don't realise how they're like gods in the future. Wild Stallions are like gods. Everybody praises them. They do their air guitar moves in the future as well. And Rufus from the future comes to help them out and gives them, a, I guess, a teleportal American telephone box that can transport them to different time zones. So they go and visit Napoleon uh, Socrates, you know, all sorts of historical characters, and they bring them together to to help them deliver their presentation at the end of the film. I'm not giving too much away, to be honest, because it's just such a joy to watch. And what I found really funny is the voices are so much higher when they're younger as well. Alex Winters and Keanu Reeves is like, wow, they look young, but they also sound really young as well. I loved it. Rob, go on, tell me what you think. I often find that when we get these films that come up that are in this period, like late 80s, that it's so much more enjoyable watching it with my son. As Sarah says, it's a PG, so it's fantastic to know that he can watch it. And I think it's also when it's a film that's completely unique, that hasn't really been... (laughs) repeated i'm always curious to know what he'll think and he absolutely loved it i think he just engaged with the characters straight away these kind of airhead type characters (laughs) and you know everything they said he just seemed to laugh at you know it's almost like it allowed me to kind of cast myself back to not the age of my son who's 12 but an age when this was all just just ridiculously goofball daft but just so much fun there's so many memorable scenes in it as well as the whole 
history lesson, like scooping up all these historical characters was highly amusing. And for my son, I thought it was quite an interesting kind of introduction to some of the, the history. It was the little things. I, I thought it was so funny that Bill has his mum is really attractive and you have these scenes where even bill himself calls his mom missy oh sorry i mean mom and <laughs> ted <laughs> says whispering to William, your stepmom's so cute that's right and this gag plays out a few times every single time that it just totally got me and had my son in absolute hysterics I love the fact that Napoleon is left with Ted's younger brother whilst they go gallivanting back around time to scoop up the other characters. It's his job to try and keep Napoleon from getting into any trouble. So all of that that went on in the background, you know, him going to a big water park that was called Waterloo and him going to the local bowling alley and all that kind of stuff is <laughs> really funny. There's a brilliant line when Bill and Ted realise that Ted's brother has lost Napoleon and they like say, you've ditched Napoleon. And like Ted says, do you realise, you know, you've just stranded one of Europe's greatest leaders in Sam Demas, which is where they're from. And he just says, <laughs> and his brother just goes, yeah, but he was a dick. <laughs> it's just like, just like lines like this. And then yeah. there was that line at the very end with Rufus where he kind of turns to the camera when they're doing their little jamming session at the very end of the film and he just says they do get better. It was just so much fun. And even when they're in England with the castle and they had the evil duke and some of the quotes are just brilliant because he catches them with these two women that the duke wanted to marry, for example. He goes, put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden! Excellent! (laughs) Execute them! Bogus! Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And when they first meet themselves as they come out of the phone box, you know, the time machine, where they say, you know, how do we know it's ourselves? They say, well, you know, what number are you thinking now? And they say 69. 69. And I, Whoa! <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's just so hilarious. Yeah. It's actually interesting to know that apparently they were going to use a Chevy van as the time machine, bit of a factoid, but they decided that was too similar to Back to the Future. Yeah. Which came out in 85, so they changed it to a um, a phone booth. And interesting, they, they were unconcerned that that was similar to Doctor Who. Yeah, good point. Because Noah said to me, my son, when we were watching it, he actually said, you know, wasn't there a problem? Because isn't that the same as Doctor Who? I love the way they press the, the buttons. I wonder if they still have telephones like that in the US. Probably not. Probably not. I do like the way he's, they kind of thumb through the telephone mm. directory and punch in the year or whatever it is to go back in time. Mm. So, yeah, I, I just really liked it. I wanted more music in it because in my mind, God gave rock and roll was in this film and for some reason I was expecting it at the very end and of course it was in Bogus Journey so once the presentation started at the end I realised it wasn't in that film that was a little bit disappointed and I did actually find because it just rattled along in this hour and a half running time, which as Sarah says, what just genius, hour and a half running time. I love it when films are hour and a half. Um, <laughs> when it got to the bit where they were doing the this presentation as part of their report and they were introducing every single character they dragged back from history, I actually found that bit did flag a bit in comparison to everything else. I felt that actually kind of slowed everything up and took me out of the fun momentarily. I suppose that was the only real thing that I didn't really like about it. But yeah, just completely daft. Having Abraham Lincoln at the very end saying, party on dude was 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 very amusing yeah 
What's interesting is when you look at Alex Winter, when you look him up on IMDb now, you don't see his acting career first, you see his directing career now. So he's definitely moved into that space, whereas Keanu Reeves is, is still a big A-lister. And I love Keanu Reeves. I think he's he's great. And his great floppy hair that he has in, in Bill and Ted. And he still kind of has that floppy hair today, doesn't he, in John Wick? He's still got that slightly floppy but greasy hair this time, whereas it's beautifully before in the 80s. But um, do you know what's the really funniest thing? I sat and watched this with my husband and we said, oh my goodness, Alex Winter looks a little bit like our youngest. You've got that blonde hair, sort of pale complexion. <laughs> and, and then Ted, Keanu Reeves, there were some things that he did was just like our eldest son. And it's just like, oh my goodness, they are Bill and Ted. Our boys are Bill and Ted. That's so funny. <laughs> that should be their nicknames from now on. <laughs> yeah. Did they watch the film with you? No, they didn't. I watched it too late at night. I was trying to cram it in before this podcast, but it was, yeah, we should watch it with them and see what they think, definitely. The Keanu Reeves, this was the film that kind of, well, not just this film, but it certainly gave him that whole tag of being a bit of a space cadet when it comes to his acting, (sighs) that he's never properly shaken. But he, I mean, if you think of film stars that have been, I mean, he's had this huge resurgence recently with the John Wick series. But if you think of what he's done over his career, the films he's been in, he's had an incredible career. Whether they've been successes or not, he's never been afraid to try new stuff. He's not always playing one particular type of character. Yeah, in 1991, he did Point Break. And he was kind of a dude then as well. Uh, 94, bit of a dude again, speed, but more intelligent, both of these two characters, obviously. And then the Matrix series, obviously, kicked off in 1999. I mean, he did like some really early indie stuff, didn't he? My own private Idaho and stuff like yeah. that. Wasn't he also in that kind of time traveling room? Yes, the lake. The lake house film with um, Sandra Bullock. So, yeah, he's done different stuff. I mean, I think it, it does seem to kind of excel when it comes to the action side of things. But I suppose on that note, Sandra Bullock's kind of come from that background as well with Miss Congeniality being a bit of a goof. And I love her as well. She's fantastic. And she just always brings a smile to your face as well. But we've got to love uh, Keanu Reeves, I have to say, and Alex Winter. But I have to say Keanu Reeves is my favourite. Yeah, absolutely. Don't know if you remember this because we reviewed Point Break not too long ago. There's a scene in that where he's as part of his undercover thing. He becomes mm-hmm. a surfer. Yeah. And there's a scene in that where he goes over the top with his kind of surfing language and he says dude i think at one point to try and like blend in and yeah. i'm convinced that was almost a little nod to bill and ted i'm convinced Probably. it was like the first time he was able to actually kind of use that same kind of dialect but almost in a kind of ironic way i, I thought that was quite cool and also in 1989 he did one of my other favorite comedies parenthood yeah you see there you go he was the brother of lee phoenix and now whacking phoenix in in that film but he was called lee phoenix at the time but uh yeah um that's still on my list to still be chosen rob still to be chosen (laughs) Uh, probably find it i watched that one so long ago i i wonder if it's uh as good as i i remember it anyway okay come on then scores on the doors for bill and ted's excellent adventure you go first i'm going to go eight out of ten because it's just unique i think that's the main thing it's like (laughs) when you watch a film like napoleon dynamite or something like that you don't get another film like napoleon dynamite You, you don't get another film series i don't think quite like bill and ted so whilst it was hugely enjoyable and a bit of a nostalgia fest the enjoyment my son had out of it 
and also the fact, as I say, it's still so kind of uh, niche, as it were. Uh, that's why I'm going to give it an eight. Did I just say eight out of ten for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I did, didn't I? Eight you out did. of ten. <laughs> you did. You did say eight out of ten. I'm going to say eight and a half. Oh, <laughs> amazing! Really like amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favourite comedies, I think. And you know, Harold and Kumar probably try to come close to doing a Bill and Ted kind of thing, but not really a patch on Bill and Ted. And yeah, I just love it. It's just I, I just smiling and laughing out loud all the way through. So yeah, great watch. Good, good, good. So shall we quickly go through the two films we're going to do this week? Yeah. So we've already mentioned one, which is The Sound of Metal. And I have watched it already, but I'm really delighted to review it for next time. And Sound of Metal, of course, is the Riz Ahmed film that was nominated at the Oscars. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. This is directed by Darius Marder, starring Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, and Paul Racy. So you can watch that right now and it's streaming on Prime Video, so Amazon Prime. Fantastic. And whilst we would normally do a oldie from one of our lists, because mm. we've come to the end of all of our genres, so we're ready to start again, uh, we thought we would leave that a week because seeing as it's post-Oscars, Nomadland, that obviously did so well, is now out. And it is out on Disney+. Plus. A woman in her 60s who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Directed, of course, by Best Director, Clary Zero, and, of course, this was Best Picture, and also Frances McDormand picked up Best Actor. Also, not just directed by Clary Zero, also written by her, based on the book by Jessica Bruder, and, as I say, starring Frances McDormand. Dorman. And pretty much all of the other characters in this film are played by themselves. So that is Nomadland. So yeah, two Oscar winning films, because Sound of Metal did pick up um, Oscars, didn't it? Not surprisingly. Best sound. Best sound, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And what got best editing? Can you remember? I really thought they would get it after seeing some of the snippets that they show before they, they announce who the winner is. I don't know. I don't know because I don't think I even it's saw it. Mank. It's Mank. Oh, it's Mank. It looked, yeah, it's amazing with some of the editing that they showed. So I am looking forward to seeing Nomadland. I wonder if it's going to be a Marmite film, to be honest. Looking at it, it could be. It looks kind of slow paced, but you've watched it before. I, I haven't. But I love. I loved Sound of Metal, so it's got to really go some to beat Sound of Metal on the scores next week. It's a slow burner. That's all I'm going to say. But I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Yeah, and that'd be good. I'm looking forward to it. Right, so that's that's the main business out of the way. But to finish... Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, our, our own awards. I know, we got so <laughs> true. We have got our own awards. So <laughs> if you cast your mind back, if you listen to the podcast regularly, which I hope you do, back in March, Sarah and I did an exercise challenge where we had to complete the same amount of time as the combined duration of both the two films we reviewed each week, which we successfully achieved. Mm -hmm. And we have both made each other... <laughs> DIY <laughs> medals. <laughs> so have you seen yours yet? I haven't. Have so, no, we haven't. So basically, Sarah's got mine in an envelope and I've got hers that she's done for me in an envelope. Right. You go first. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Drum roll. And it says on the envelope, top secret. And the winner is... <laughs> I've opened it up. Russell, Russell. Oh, wow. It's, <laughs> it's Forrest Gump. 
it's good size. It's okay. a good size medal. And it's got two small cakes exercise challenge. And it's got the, the popcorn and, and Coke in the background. And it has March 2021. And it's got a lovely blue, white and red ribbon. And I'm now donning. The oh, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Very proud. Thank you very much, Rob. That's, well, that's all right. You basically have to wear that for the rest of the day. You have to wear it at least in front of have your husband photo. and children. Yeah. So it's my turn. It feels like Christmas or something. It does. It does. Right. Here we go. Exciting. Exciting. I'm afraid my medal size oh bit is a bit smaller God, than yours. Oh, yours is so much better than mine. No, it's not. Right. So this... Is incredible. I don't think it opens. No, I guess genuine, to describe it to everyone. Genuinely cool. So what we have here, so first of all, the actual ribbon is a film reel, which is amazing. With my very good sewing, of course. <laughs> oh my god. You see, I just had just <laughs> I'm assumed, rubbish at sewing. I just, just assumed that this wasn't homemade, which apparently I'm now being told yes, is homemade, but an amazing job. But check out the medal itself. This is a miniature vhs not only that it's actually the blade runner it's got a mini yeah. blade runner sleeve in it. it's a mini vhs with its own video sleeve and blade runner is one of my favorite films oh, no. of all time. that's incredible <laughs> i'm genuinely jumped with that right i, I, I tried it on for size so hopefully it fits okay yeah you have to that. put it yeah we're gonna get a screen grab we will get a screen grab. do you know what i've got old age women's eyes now i i struggled to see what the text was on 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 the medal i found just recently that i'm starting to have to move everything close that's why you may have just noticed (laughs) i had to put this spotlight on (laughs) so i could see reading glasses rob reading glasses it is that small it is that small it's so cool though how did you I mean, where did well, you I, find that? I know I knew Blade Runner was a, was a favourite, and how? it was involved running, didn't it? So, oh, yours is it. just so much better no, on so no, many. No, it's not. No, it's not. You've 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 done a bit of graphic design here. You've cut it out. You've, <laughs> I the, think the better the love I think that's gone into that. The more <laughs> accurate term is arts and crafts. I would say. Yeah. Oh, but, I love uh, the fact that Forrest Gump is on it. Yeah, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do some pictures because we're going to have to put these up on the Facebook page. I'm actually quite chuffed with mine, that's for sure. Right. (laughs) I still can't believe it's a mini. mini. Oh, this is cool. I love it. Absolutely love it. So thank you very much. Right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have anyway. Um, Oscar reviews to uh, movie reviews and our special medal prize. Special medal. (laughs) Exactly. And two, well, they're Oscar winning films for this week. Yeah. Have a fantastic weekend, won't you? And a long weekend, which will be lovely. Yes, got, we've got a bank holiday coming up, which will be good. Have a fantastic <laughs> we'll week, go. and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. God gave rock and roll to, to the gay rock and roll. To the-